Well, um, I haven't met a person yet uh, who would wake up and say, um, I want to have a mediocre day today. I haven't met that person yet. In fact, many of us, I think, we, we approach the day uh, wanting to have it kind of a, a knock-it-out-of-the-park kind of day. But yet, you know, too often as we get into this Christmas season, uh, we find ourselves kind of in that situation where, where we want to have a great day, we want to knock it out of the park kind of day, but, but for whatever reason, it just kind of turns out to be a, a mediocre day. You know, Christmas time is not supposed to elude joy. It's not supposed to elude hope. It's not supposed to elude peace or, or love. But yet in the Christmas season, sometimes we really fight hard to find that yuletide cheer, don't we? Uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, if we're not careful, uh, the Christmas season isn't going to live up to our expectations. Does anybody here have an expectation as to how Christmas will go this year? Now, I think most of us have an expectation for Christmas, don't we? We want, the, if the family's going to get together, Lord help us, we want everybody to get along. We don't want any problems with that. We want people happy. We, we don't want fighting. We don't want bickering. Uh, if we give a gift, we want it to be received with joy and not a, oh, a chia pet again. And, and you know, we, we kind of want to make sure that, that we're really experiencing the, the giftedness of the season. And like Clark Griswold, if we're not careful, we're going to set an expectation that just can't be met. And I think that's the challenge that we have of Christmas season. And to me, that's why so often we find Christmas devoid of joy. We find it devoid of joy because we want a perfect Christmas, and yet a perfect Christmas isn't always going to happen. Uh, some of us travel back home for Christmas. Anybody going back home for Christmas? Uh, you going back up north? Oh, my goodness. Woo! Come on, guys. The sun's down here. Okay. So some of us go, some of us go home for Christmas, and we, we welcome family and friends uh, home for the holidays. And, and uh, I'm a native Floridian, and I know that uh, most of us would say that, that during this time of year, we have a lot of guests who come to our houses uh, that want to do with that. But somehow, even when we have that expectation of welcoming family and friends, that can fall flat as well. And um, anybody ever had any eagerly awaited company come? And then they drive you nuts. Yeah, well, that happens too. So joy is what we're searching for today. Joy is the topic. Joy is, is the focus of where we want to be. And I want to take us to Psalm 126. You know, you might want to think, what in the world does a psalm have to do with Christmas time? Uh, psalm 126 has everything to do with joy today. And joy is so, so profound. And, and we have to understand what was happening when this psalm was written. Uh, the, the Hebrews were exiled and, and uh, they, they, they just weren't able to return um, from, from the exile to their homeland until 537 B.C. So you can see this is a, a long, long time ago. They'd been carried off to a foreign land. Uh, their, their temples had been destroyed. Everything about who they were as Hebrews had been kind of just uh, nulled and voided. And uh, their homes had been ransacked. Their houses of worship had been destroyed. They were removed to a foreign land. They had to get into a different culture. And they didn't speak the language. They didn't know the customs. And they were still trying to be the people of God. And if you can imagine with me for a minute how tough that could be. Uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I said, what if someone came into our country and took us over and moved us out of our homes and, and began to force us into a different language and all? It, it would not be a good feeling. But yet in the midst of their troubles, in the midst of, of all that had happened to these folks for generation upon generation upon generation, Psalm 126 reminds us of the joy that can come 
in the midst of those discombobulated seasons of life. Joy, one, uh, Psalm 126 calls upon us to be reminded that despite our circumstances, despite what we have gone through, despite what we're living in now, that joy is a gift of God and that we can rejoice and live into that joy. Listen to what the psalmist writes. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, <clears throat> when God returned Zion's exiles. So the scene has been set. We already know that they're, they're thinking like, wow, this is just something we would have never thought of. We're going home. And God is the one who is responsible for that. Listen to this. They laughed. We laughed. We sang. We couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. And we are one happy people. Folks, these are people that had been moved out of their land. And now God has said, the promise is fulfilled. I'm sending you back. I'm sending you home. And they are rejoicing. They're a happy people. And now the psalmist says, God, do it again. Bring back rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest so those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. I mean, picture that. They're coming home. They're coming out of the exile. All the things that they have lived into, they're finally coming home. They're not looking back. They're not looking at what had happened. They are looking at what God's promises are ahead. And they are rejoicing in what God is doing. You know, it doesn't sound like a joyless people, does it? In fact, when we read Psalm 126, we find out that a lot is happening here. And I want to encourage you I want to encourage you this week to read Psalm 126 and ask yourself the question, how am I reflected in the story? What is God saying to me? And what does God want me to do with these words? How am I reflected in the story? What is God saying to me? And what does God want me to do with these words? You will be impacted in a huge way. The people knew about the promises of restoration, but when the actual moment arrived, it was this overwhelming experience. They had heard of the promises. They had heard of what joy would come, and yet they weren't really ready, but when it happened, they were overwhelmed by God's generosity and the experience that they had. They were excited about what God had done for them, and they were joyfully praising God as they were looking around in mass as the people were moving back into the lands of Israel. You know, maybe they thought they would never get back home. If you've ever kind of been in one of those situations where you're just going like, I, there's no way out of this. How am I going to get out of this? I don't see a way through it. I don't, I don't know what's going to come next. Do I just give up? Do I just surrender? But God's words promise us that, that, that perseverance produces something in us, doesn't it? In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, said it quite clearly. James says that it's in those difficult moments of our lives that when our faith comes into action and those difficult situations as we face them, that as we're getting through it with God's help, we begin to sense perseverance. And that's what builds in the hope and the joy that can come. Maybe they thought that they would never get back home. It was, it was too good to be true. But now they were arriving and they immediately praised God for the joy that was there. I mean, folks, isn't this amazing? Generations in exile, generations stripped of everything that they have known. And now the opportunity has landed and the people are coming home. Only God can do that. And God didn't just do it back in 537 B.C., 
God's promises to do it again today. God promises to do it again tomorrow. You know, in this Christmas season, I, 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 we approach every Christmas season with, with, with kind of feelings in our hearts, don't we? Um, you know, we, we go through seasonal events. We go through things that happen. Some of you today, like our family, you're going to experience the first Christmas without a loved one. Some of you here today, you're going to experience Christmas with a new child and, or a grandchild, and that child or grandchild is just going to just brighten up the season for you, and you're going to see Christmas in a different light, so to speak. Some of you here today are, are going through divorce or you've just gone through a divorce and you're wondering, what's it going to be like to spend Christmas alone? And there's others that are strapped financially. You know, as much as we want to tout that we think we have this great economy and everything going on, there are still people that, that aren't feeling the effects of that. There are people who are living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, they're, they're going down to Amscot and they're borrowing in advance of the paycheck so they can live and pay their bills. And you're facing Christmas, and you're wondering, how am I going to deal with that? Well, let me just say this morning, you know, Jesus really wants us all to have a great Christmas. I'm not talking about that you get the gift from Tiffany's or the you know, $250,000 SUV or whatever the case may be. Jesus wants you to have a heart-filled, joyful Christmas. And, and, and the only way that you can experience that, the only way that I can experience that, is to understand the importance of what this gift really is. So in the midst of the minutia, in the midst of just the, the, the sickness and the challenges of life, how can we experience Christmas 365 days? How can we experience joy every day in our life? Here's a couple of things I just want to just throw out there. If you want to write notes, you can do that. But here, here's the first one. See joy in the small things. See joy in the small things. Now, that's kind of different, isn't it? Because we're always taught to, you know, shoot big, go big. You know, when, when, when you see the, the boxes under the Christmas tree, you know, we spent Christmas with my family in Orlando yesterday. Everybody, my brothers and sisters, as we did kind of a blind gift exchange, everybody was going after the big boxes. Nobody wanted the little box. So we, we, we're attracted to the big things. But God says, don't look for the big things. Don't look to find joy only in the big things. Look to find joy in the small things. And that's what Psalm 126 shows us, that, that the people had endured great sorrow when, when they were taken into captivity. They had lost everything. Uh, but his promise, God said, I will take action. God said, I will bring you back. God said, I will give you hope and I will give you a future. God said, trust me. And that's where the people found themselves in the midst of this. The walls of the city had been broken down when they returned. And even though things were not yet perfect, even though the temple had not yet been rebuilt, even though Jerusalem lay in shambles, you know what? They didn't turn around and go back into exile. They said, it's time to rebuild. It's time for us to see the small things. We can now see the remnant of where life used to be in the generations that had passed. And now it's time for us to build. And therefore, we need to rejoice and see joy and celebrate joy in the partial blessings. Folks, God doesn't just bless you in the big things. God blesses you in the small things, too. A good friend of mine used to say, you know, small problems are solvable. And remember, all problems are small. And I've kind of hung on to that through the years. And, and, and what a great word that that was. No matter what you're going through, God promises that at the end of the dark tunnel is a light. God promises at the end of every rainstorm is a rainbow. God promises that the, that the sun will rise every morning. 
God makes these promises. And the promises are for us to endure. Why? Because our joy is not dependent upon happiness. Happiness is dependent upon an, an occurrence. Happiness is when something happens. It's happen, it, it happens and therefore it makes us happy. And when it doesn't happen, we're not joyful. We're not happy. I can be happy that my car repair was, you know, $100 less than I thought it was going to be. I can be happy that someone, you know, gave me a compliment today. I can be happy that I bought some new clothes if that's what I did. I can be happy that I aced the, the, the test at school. But happiness can change just like that depending upon the circumstance. Joy, joy is different. Joy defies the circumstances. You can have joy in spite of difficult circumstances in your life because joy is an attitude. Joy is an attitude. Someone said joy is the feeling of grinning inside. Who all is grinning inside this morning? When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, the psalmist said, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with song of joy. Joy is the, the deep, settled confidence that, that God can be found in every single area of your life. Not just that God is found in blessings, not just that God is found in the good events. God can be found in the painful events. God can be found in the difficult events as well. God in, in joy is there Jesus is the source of our joy. And here's what he told his disciples. He said, in this world you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. It's out of John 16, 33. Jesus said, expect trouble. We should never, ever believe that life is without trouble, folks. Jesus himself said, expect it. But remember this, that I have overcome it all. And therefore, if all of our hope, if all of our promise, if all of our trust, if all of our needs of obedience go into the one who has overcome everything, then what can we lose? Nothing. Because Jesus is the one he proclaims to be. When joy is anchored in, in, um, in Jesus and not in external circumstances, we can find joy when the world is falling apart around us. You can be um, joyful when your restoration isn't yet complete. See, a lot of us, when we're in trouble, when we're, when we're searching for joy, when we're kind of on the cusp, when we're out there, and we're not sure where to go, what we're trying to do is we're trying to speed up the process so that we can hurry up and get to the joyful event. But sometimes, in fact, most times, I should say, I have found in my own life that God's greatest work is done in the margins. It's not done in the beginning, it's not done in the end, it's done what's, what's in between. And it's in those margins where God meets you, it's in those margins where God meets me. And it's in those margins where we see and find joy that comes. Jesus says that he is the foundation of our joy, and our joy is complete when we are in Christ Here's something else you can count on. When, when you feel depressed and you're struggling with problems, you can turn to the Lord, you can turn to Jesus and ask for help. How many of us do that? How many of us turn to the Lord in times of help? I think probably most prayers would lean in that direction if we were to be honest about it, that, that we, when life is fine and when we're kind of humming along and when we don't have any worries or troubles or cares or difficulties, you know, maybe, maybe our searching for the Lord isn't as heavy as when, when the wheels come off the bus. And then it's like, oh my gosh, 
I got to get on my knees and I got to pray, Lord, where are you? Or, or God, walk with me through this, or God, save me through these circumstances. But living in joy involves choosing to faithfully follow Jesus. You have to faithfully choose to follow him. It can't be a casual decision. It has to be sold out. You got to be all in. You'll not experience joy if, if you're willfully rebelling against God. But it's when you're in peace, when you accept the grace that comes from God, that even in the midst of your mistakes in life, that if you recognize those mistakes and you realize that you're missing the mark and you seek God, seek Jesus to get you back on the path, joy will come in the greatest ways. When you experience joy every day, you can live in confidence for the future. You can live in confidence for the future. The people that we read about in, in Psalm 20, 126 this morning, they had a lot of problems, and, and even when they were safely back in their hometown, God wasn't done working through them or for them or out of them yet. They came back to rubble. They came back to uh, destruction. And God was not finished with them. In fact, in fact, God's mighty deliverance preceded a great level of depression amongst the people. They got back with these high hopes of, we're going home, we're going home. And then they came back and they saw what home looked like. And depression had set in. Those who had emerged from captivity were still feeling uh, emotions of distress, and, and even in their own land. And, but they would have to have faith. They would have to have faith that God would remain in them. They would have to have faith that what they could not see, that God would work with them and that that which they could not see would still come to be and that God would restore just as he had promised. The Christian uh, writer C.S. Lewis, he wrote this. He said, one of the primary signs of faith is the experiences of joy. How do we know that we're a person of faith and we should be experiencing joy in our life? Because if we're not experiencing joy, then, then maybe we need to look at where am I at in my faith journey? Because when we are in Christ, we open our hearts to see the joy of Christ. And in that joy, great things will come. Jesus said, do not worry. Why did he say that? He said that because God is constantly transforming us. As long as we are on this side of heaven, we are going through a transformation process. And God is transforming us into something good. The prophet Isaiah wrote this. He said, forget about what's happened. Did you hear that? Forget about what's happened. Can you forget about what's happened? Can you let go of the grudge? Can you let go of the, of the problem that you just had last week? Can you forget about what's happened? Don't keep going over old history. <clears throat> How many of us do that? We, we have a challenge in our life and we kind of bring that joylessness upon our own lives because we're hashing and rehashing, living and reliving this complicated thing that, that it's not any better today and I just keep hashing and rehashing and, and it keeps going in my mind. But Isaiah says, be alert, be present. And listen to what he says. God says, I'm about to do something brand new. I'm bursting out, don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road, I love this. I'm making a road through the desert. I'm making a road through the rivers. I'm making a road through the badlands. God is providing a joyful way out. God is providing the path that you and I are to take. Let's go back to 126.4 in the Psalm. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. This goes back to the writings in, in the book of Deuteronomy, where it says that when you return to God and you obey him with all of your heart, 
Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. Then God will have compassion on you. When you return to God, then God will open your eyes to see the restoration that comes. This is the challenge that we have. Some of us feel like we're so far away from God or we're so far gone from God. Why, why even go back? We're like uh, that third story in, in Luke 15, the prodigal, the overspending son, that, that we just have run away and, and we're just trying to enjoy life out on the fringes and, and all of a sudden, you know, life becomes uh, horrible and we're not sure that we, we have a way home. And we learn from that parable that God always builds a bridge. And it requires you and me to cross it. So we see that the significance, then God restores it. We hang on to so much baggage during the holidays, don't we? We, we hold on to all the, the regrets. We hold on to all of, of what's happened and didn't happen in the year. All of what should have happened but didn't. All that harmed us in the year. We hold on to all of that stuff. And Isaiah says, you got to forget about what's happened. You've got to quit going over old history. Isaiah says, quit thinking about it. Quit living it and start thinking about something new. Look what God is about to do. Hinge upon those promises. Walk with God with that kind of way to maintain joy we've got to get rid of the baggage we're holding on to to experience joy we have to let go of the disappointments the past resentments the past bitterness and yes we've got to stop complaining about it that's how joy comes into our life well there was an annoying customer that had handled every article of material in a particular hardware store, but nothing was worthy of her approval. You know, she's gone through and she's touched everything in the store, and she was very wearying on the customer service agent who was there, and the clerk said, you know, look, I, 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 can't, I can't seem to find what it is that you're looking for or that you have something good to say. He said, let me, let me show you some brooms over here. That's the last thing we have to look at. So the woman starts looking at the brooms and she starts saying, you know, hey, these are of poor quality. They're cheap straw. They're flimsily made. They're shoddy material. The wooden handle, look, it's not long enough. They're not like the ones that they used to make. This broom wouldn't last long for sweeping at all. What's it good for anyway? And the clerk commented, you could always ride it home. Do we see ourselves in that story? We want to pick. We want to complain. We want to talk about what's not good enough. It's not like it used to be. What's this good for? How come this? How come that? And sometimes we need to understand a different perspective when we read Psalm 126. You see, the people coming back out of captivity, they probably understood no single act of God would bring them back into an unbroken joy or rid them of their difficult circumstances from their past. But what they did recognize was that every single day, every single day, they needed to rely on God. Here's the next one. When it comes to joy during Christmas time, don't merely look for it, but expect to find it. You know, don't just sit there and say, well, I hope I find joy this Christmas season. Hey, I'm going to find it. It's there. Jesus said, seek, and you'll find. 
Verse 5 of their psalm, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. These were people who were willing to invest their entire future into the hope of what God was going to do. They were willing to give it their all. They were willing to say, whatever life we have left, God has given us a new opportunity. God is reviving joy in us. We're willing to invest. We're willing to plant. We're willing to sow. We're willing to do all these things. And the hard work, yes, it's going to be hard work ahead. Are we going to have tears rebuilding our nation? Yes, we're going to have tears. Are we going to be weary in doing that? Yes, we're going to be weary and do that. But they said that we know one thing, that God is consistent. And what God has called and blessed us to do, we can do it. They knew no matter what, God was in the middle of everything. And that's what they had hoped for. Here's another thing that they knew. They knew that, um, they knew that God was like a shepherd, a shepherd taking care of his sheep. Listen to what uh, the prophet Ezekiel writes. God the master says, so this is like God is saying this. From now on, I myself am the shepherd. I'm looking for them. As shepherds go after their flocks when they get scattered, I'm going after my sheep. We're the sheep, God's the shepherd. I'll rescue them from all the places that they've been scattered to in the storms. I'll bring them back from foreign peoples. I'll gather them from foreign countries and bring them back to their home country. I'll feed them on the mountaintops of Israel, along the streams, among their own people. God's going to care for his sheep. I'll lead them into lush pasture so they can roam the mountain pastures of Israel. Graze at leisure, feed in the rich pastures of the mountains of Israel. And I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make sure that they have plenty of rest. I'll go after the lost. <clears throat> I'll collect the strays. I'll doctor the injured. I'll build up the weak ones and oversee the strong ones so that they're not exploited. That's God as a shepherd. We are his sheep. And the prophet is helping the people understand in a language that they're very familiar with. That like a shepherd cares for his sheep. A shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. God will take care of us. Here's the last one. And this is probably the most important one. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Every day, you and I wake up, we have, we have decisions to make, don't we? Uh, what clothes we're going to wear, what time we're going to get up the next morning, what we'll have for breakfast, where we're going to go for lunch, uh, whether to floss or not, uh, paper or plastic. At the end of a long day, is it going to be eat in or dine out? I mean, what's it going to be? We have choices, choices, choices every day. When you're feeling stressed and distressed this holiday season, remember one thing. Joy is a choice. Say that with me. Joy is a choice. Now say it like you mean it. Joy is a choice. So choose joy. You can either choose to be joyful or you can choose not to be joyful. It's your choice. And everything we know about God, God says, be joyful. I'm joyful. I'm giving you things to be joyful of. Receive it and rejoice in all the things that I've done. Rejoice and be joyful. And the question is whether or not we'll accept it. There was a, um, a little Christmas pageant in a little church. And the way that they were expressing the presence of Jesus was in a manger, they had a, a, a light that they had back there to kind of illuminate, like uh, the glory of God was in the room. And as the stage lights were slowly turned off, 
So only the brightness of the manger could be seen, and everybody's, were eye, everybody's eyes were on the manger where this one light was behind, and it was just glowing, and it was beautiful, and everybody was just like captivated. And the little boy in the back who was running the lights flipped the wrong switch, and the light that was the light of Jesus went out. And one of the other little boys who's a shepherd, not in his stage voice, but he kind of whispered loudly, hey! You turned off Jesus. <laughs> Listen, don't turn off Jesus. Doesn't matter what's going on. Never, ever, ever turn off the light of the world. Jesus Christ brings joy. So in this season, let's remember a couple of things. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So how do we keep joy 365 days a year? Remember to praise the Lord for the partial blessings, knowing more will come. Thank God for what he's doing for you, even if the work is not yet complete. That's important. Have faith and confidence for the future and ask the Lord for whatever it is that you need and let his joy come over you and let his joy fill you and move into an attitude of joy by doing what you can in your present circumstance and celebrate the season in spite of. Joy comes every morning.